Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief of Modern Retail. This week, we have Ethan Didaskalu, who's the co founder and chief strategy officer of July, which is a luggage company, although I know that you guys make more than luggage these days. It seems like you've expanded your your product assortment from my last check of the website. We um, do whatever it takes. <laughs> I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your U.S. expansion because you guys are uh, you're based in Australia. Ethan is currently uh, in a car at 6 a.m. In, in Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the car not because of, you know, I'm an ultra busy guy who just needs to get podcast <laughs> interviews done on the fly. You know, I just want to keep the I want to keep the kids asleep while uh, while while we have a chat. You know, while we have a laugh. Absolutely. Well, Ethan, thank you for joining. We're going to go into a lot of it, but um, how are you doing? Th- thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Kyle. It's uh, it's really good to be on, and uh, you know, it's it's great to chat to to anybody over in the U.S. We're we're sort of we're in love with the U.S. at the moment. We're in love with the people. We're in love with the culture. We're in love with everything that happens over there. So we, uh, it's just I'm excited to be here. First, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I was doing some some research about you. You have a pretty vast history in different areas of of retail um, before you got into luggage. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done a couple of different things, and and so has my uh, my co founder as well, uh, Richard. We uh, we're both we're both self starters in a lot of ways. So I've sort of come from agency land. Uh, I used to work uh, at an ag- ad agency in strategy. Uh, so, you know, I mean, great learnings in terms of understanding a multitude of businesses and their problem points, but you know, the execution level at a, at a strategy role is, is quite low, right? Everything's in theory and rarely do you do, do you execute in practice? The, I think from that point onwards, it's always been about execution for me, uh, always wanting to make sure that the next project was hands-on, was physical you really had a tangible outcome at the end and that you could control that process. And, uh, and that sort of led me down a, a few different paths. Uh, one of them being the, you know, the, the coffee business, the online, online coffee retailing, which was at its time, one of the first subscriptions, uh, physical box subscriptions in Australia. Uh, it was, I mean, back in the day. And I believe now it's the largest online coffee retailer in Australia as well. So it, it was a really interesting, uh, it was a really interesting starting point, but that was almost just a platform for me to experiment. You know, a subscription business was, was a really fun thing to do back then. Uh, but retail's always sort of been in the, in the blood and e-commerce has always been in the blood, uh, which has led us down to obviously starting July and getting really excited about creating new products. It's a, it's a different level of, of production, you know, outside of coffee or, or advertising, you're really getting into the, the gritty you're really getting into the concept of manufacturing something from start to finish and it's it's quite a beautiful um it's quite a beautiful thing to do so what was the concept with july uh and 2018 is when you first launched correct that's right we launched in 2018 we registered the business in july 7 on july 7th uh, because we felt it was a lucky a really lucky date to register the business we did a pre-order for a lot of our um our cases in the, in the Christmas period, but we didn't officially, I mean, product didn't land until February, 2019. And that's when we, that's when things got really exciting for us. We pre-sold our first container and, uh, with only one product, with only the carry on and the rest went from there. You know, we sort of progressively kept adding more and more product. Uh, I mean, we had a great 2019, uh, it was a great launch. The brand was, was received really well in Australia. 
and uh, you know we you know we thought things were were going to be all up from there. Obviously, that wasn't the case. We you had to travel with, stop or something. Something like that. Because <laughs> you know we're like there's nothing can stop this growth. Nothing can stop this business except <laughs> for like a global government mandated lockdown on all travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah couldn't. Could, there's no insurance company that would have covered you for that one. So we. You know, it was it was it was a crazy year. Twenty twenty was a crazy year. Uh, we managed to to hang on. We managed to to retain the team. Well, we're a very tight team, very very small team. So that was uh, you know twenty eighteen registration, twenty nine and and planning and design and getting all that sort of up and ready. Twenty nineteen is, is sort of the official retail launch, and twenty twenty we're almost shutting the business down. It was really that drastic because we didn't have the runway uh, of a few years under the belt in order to to be able to survive a a zero revenue year. Uh, so we we re- yeah we really needed to to lock in. Obviously things have changed. Uh, lockdowns have have come to an end now. Twenty twenty one was a progressive lift on that, and uh, this year in twenty twenty two things are things are flying again. I'm glad to hear that. So before the pandemic. What was the thesis behind the July? Was it all design-led? Was it that you had a concept, this is what this carry-on bag needs to look like? Is it that, is the mar- what was the market for f- nice-looking luggage in Australia like back, you know, that f- four years ago, three years ago? It, look, everyone's just was drawn to Remora. You know, them, their acquisition from LVMH sort of reinvigorated design in travel. And they, they, I mean, they did a really good job. Uh, it, there was, and, and we, I'd be lying to say that I wasn't a fan of theirs prior. Like, it just made some absolutely beautiful things. We, we, we just felt we could do it better. Uh, Richard is from a manufacturing background, um, and I'm from a sort of design marketing background. You know, you sort of have this. Um, you know, a lot of people say that entrepreneurs are a little bit stupid and a little bit arrogant, and I feel that very <laughs> much falls into the into the definitions of us in the sense that we felt we could kind of just do it nicer and better. And what if we took that, the, the same attributes that make, you know, a, a high-end luggage really great? Things like, you know, if you're talking about the actual design of the product, things like its curvature, things like the bumpers, the aluminium bumpers, and having that sort of design feature creep in. We, we really liked that and we were inspired by that. And I'm definitely not ashamed to admit that, you know, that sort of like aluminium, that aluminium feel without that aluminium weight it was, was something that we, you know, was definitely an aspiration point for us. So we thought we could kind of do it better. We thought we could make a, a beautiful product out of polycarbonate, uh, definitely make it a lot curvier. Now, one of the issues that you see with luggage, we, I mean, we did the best thing we thought we could do at the time with free research is read every single review of luggage out there. And mm-hmm. the reviews are all saying, oh, well, the corners keep getting bent in. That's the corners. The edges keep breaking as, as the pressure is applied. So with one of the industrial designers, we're like, why don't we just make it rounder so that it bounces back? Like not rocket science, right? So all we did was, is make things rounder. We, you know, I remember the first 50 grand that we spent was molding the wheel housing because that dictates the curvature of the case. And so, we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And so to... to dump the first mold cost on a wheel housing component that nobody would care about. It was, was a really, uh, was a really hard and heavy hit, but we knew that we had to do it. And so, you know, obviously we committed to it and it's created the iconic shape that we've made today. 
I'm still pre-pandemic, but I'm probably going to go to now pretty quickly. But I want to I want to get into your head before then, which is what what was your growth plan uh, specifically as an Australian company? So was the idea that you would dominate the Australian market and then you'd expand elsewhere and then you'd quickly expand to the U.S. sort of how did you how did you see that progressing? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the company name is based off that growth, right? You know, so July is all about the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And I know that, that you want to be in Europe in summer in July. And so you you just like, it's just a cool thing to do. So the Northern Hemisphere, and Australians love going to, to Europe in that period. It is just, it's, it's our migration to warmer weather. So we, it was all, the pathway is always getting to the Northern Hemisphere eventually. Australian businesses tend to do exactly that strategy of building up the, an Australian brand, making sure that the home ground is, is protected and covered, and then using that, that sort of brand kudos to leverage into a new market. It's, it's, it's more typical for an Australian business to sort of uh, jump over to the UK, you know, give our, give our sort of hat tip to the Commonwealth and, and repay the favour in, in that sense. So the UK was the original plan. We had just launched the, so during pandemic, during the pandemic, we're like, okay, well, we're obviously not selling anything. So <laughs> what else can we be doing? So we, we decided we were going to design more products as you naturally do. During this period, we designed the, the carry on light, which was, ended up being the lightest double wheel carry on in the world. Now light carry ons in an American sense, they don't make, they don't care. Americans don't care about light suitcases as, men, as much because the weight limit isn't there for, for the airlines. But for Australians and European travellers where budget airlines dominate and they really have tight restrictions around the, the luggage component, light luggage really, really makes a difference. So we had an amazing launch in Australia, a lot of press. It's a beautiful looking case. We thought, okay, this is, this is going to be a winner. We need to go and find somewhere to launch this. We should go to the UK and use it as a baseline for Europe so that we can capture the, the Ryanair's, the EasyJet customers, people who really wanted light luggage. And, and it was a stone throw over to the Samsonites of the world. You know, Samsonite dominates, I think it's 25 or 30% of the global market share and everyone else is, is other, right? It, they really are the, the dominant player. So, and they, they compete really, um, they compete heavily on light. You know, pun intended. So the the idea is that we could actually do a stone throw over to, to the big guys and say, you know, we're coming. We've created something just as innovative, just as light. We're ready for this. And I, I remember how we we're like, okay, guys, we're doing this. We're going to do this UK launch. Get ready. It's going to be amazing. Within a week, the UK had gone into stricter lockdowns, re, had re-entered lockdown again. <laughs> so we're like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that that would be that would be suicide. Like we were just absolutely not going to do that as a business uh, and go back in there. So we made, uh, you know, we made the quick decision of like, okay, well, we're switching strategy. We're going to the US now, and and <laughs> it was it was not that we had never intended to go to the US. It was just that we thought, well, we had a killer product. We'll go to the UK and Europe first. The US. I don't think there's any Australian business that doesn't that doesn't fantasize from day one about launching in the US. You know, the, the, the people are there, the scale is there, the appetite is there for newness. Uh, it, it is a very unique market, but it does require an all-in approach. I think you can kind of get away with the UK at doing it sort of remotely, you know, having sort of warehousing there, having a small team there, and sort of just and getting by. 
I think it's quite possible to do that because we're quite similar culturally. Whereas I, it does feel like in the United States, you need to be all in. And that's what we, we decided to do. So with uh, launching, launching in the US in, on July 1st, I think so, you know, July is a symbolic month for us. We thought, let's, yeah. wait, let's wait again till, till July. Let's go all in. And it ended up being a, well, I mean, we were well received. Uh, we were a real brand in the sense that we'd already been established in Australia and we'd already had quite a lot of reviews and kudos given to us. Uh, and we'd set up this business to be an American, a strong American competitor, but a strong American brand from day one. So, we, you know, we had the .com, you know, July.com is one of the top domains we, 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 we worked very hard to get, you know, at July across all socials. Like we wanted people to trust us from day one and uh, we feel like we've, we've made quite a bit of an impact in the U.S. since launching. So do you have a U.S. team? You said going all in. Does that mean that you have someone who directs operations who's in New York, for example, or is it still all remote, but you have all the right domains? It, it's mostly remote. Uh, I mean, we've got, um, we've, got a t- we've got a couple of guys. I, I mean, a team is, is uh, still hiring. Uh, we've got a couple of guys. And uh, I mean, we've only just been able to fly there you know, as Australians. So we're still wrapped that we can actually go. Uh, we're, we're in the process. We're in the process of building. Uh, we've got, we've got a great, um, great PR team, uh, great warehousing. Uh, so we're slowly getting there and, and personalization, obviously. Personalization is a big part of what you offer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you're able to make, you know, for a few days, extra days and a, f- a little bit more money, you can, you know, put a personalization on your bag. How did, like, how did you set up the operations in the United States such that that would work. I imagine that that adds a pretty big cost and adds a lot of steps to it that weren't already there. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I, you're definitely not wrong. It's, it's uh, you know, they, they were, the funniest thing was that in order to do it, we were shipping from Australia. We were, in order to do it quickly, right? So, you know, to be part of this, like, well, let's go all in, let's just get it done. We ended up shipping a lot of product from Australia directly. You know, I, somewhat, I, in some cases, like depending on um, if it wasn't sort of in the, in the main metro areas, you know, we'd lose money on the shipments. It was a real crazy, it was a real crazy time just to get it done, just to sort of be in the space and, and try and give the customer the experience that they expected. We've since obviously not, we don't do that now, but you know, we're, we're with the, the personalization, we do it, you know, we, we do some of it here in Australia, we do some of it in the US, uh, but it, it has become one of the key things that we offer as a service on top of the luggage. And, uh, and I mean, people love it. People absolutely love it. Like if we, we, we do these promotions where every now and then we will get, we'll do free personalization. And I would say 90, 95% of customers end up, end up doing it because it's just a really cool thing that, that a lot of people end up, end up enjoying. I imagine LL Bean is in uh, is in Australia. Is it? Do you, you know LL Bean? No. It's an American like sportswear company or workwear company, but they're really big in our cultural like ethos for the backpacks that we all had as little kids, and they you could all get them monogrammed. So whenever I think of uh, whenever I think of something like a bag that has a personalization on it, I think of my LL Bean backpack that I had as a little kid <laughs> in like, the nineties. And so I imagine that that probably taps into the same thing when someone's getting a suitcase; they have that exact same thought, like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll add this personalization to it." Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's it, you kind of it's this human 
innate instinct that you just want to put your name on things. Uh, you, yeah. you know, you, you want to have your own <laughs> personal mine. stamp on it, you know? And it's like, even if you talk like schoolyard days, you know, like kale was here and you sort of like mark it on the desk or something like that, you know, all that old school stuff. <clears throat> it's, it's a funny thing. It's, it's just a really, um, it's, I think it's just a really bare basic human instinct to, to say, I want to put my name on that. That's kind of cool. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. Can you talk about the the product rollout in the U.S.? Was it that you would have every product that you have in Australia available in the U.S.? Did you change any of the marketing, specifically with the light? Because as you said, it doesn't have the same importance that it does in, in you know, I mean, people want to travel to Europe and maybe they'll take a Ryanair flight, but then light doesn't. It's not as utilitarian, I guess you could say. So what, did you change anything or did you just do the same thing and hope that it worked? I mean, we had to change. We had to change things. We had to do it completely differently in the same sense as well of, of offering the, offering everything up in, in I mean, blah, blah. I mean, the, the, <clears throat> we, we had to, we had to do it differently. We had to do it completely differently. The idea was that we would offer the exact same range everything that we did in Australia, in the US. And, and I guess that's different enough in the sense that we couldn't fly there, we couldn't be there. We, didn't wear, we couldn't warehouse from day one. We were just wanting to be there and wanting to launch as quickly as possible so that we could be part of the conversation, so that we could, we could capture some of that travel audience and help grow in a market that we were still locked down in, you know, in, in Australia, especially in Victoria. We were still not traveling. The idea with, with July is like we're not just innovating through uh, iteration. We're not just doing like color updates and things like that. Even though that, that we do do that, very much a fashion product and making sure that the colors are, are sort of on par with what people expect. But the idea is that we actually create products and, create, and, and get into new categories and innovate through category launches. So, you know, like we mentioned with the light, we've got a, obviously our, our classic range, which is extremely popular, all the features that, that people love in their luggage. And then we jump categories and go, well, let's make something else. Let's, let's go into the light category and go deep into that. The next, the next category, the next thing that we made during the pandemic was the trunk range. And this was sort of our tribute to luxury luggage. This was the $2,000 suitcase that you can now get for $500. And that was the product that really captured the hearts and minds of Americans. They really wanted high-end, beautiful-looking luxury luggage at a more affordable price point. So for us, that product there, we couldn't make enough of. It was, it was you know, you talk about different markets. Like, we, we launched the exact same products in the exact same regions, but very much so the American market took towards the, the higher-end stuff. Really sort of more expensive, better quality, absolutely beautiful looking, a lot heavier uh, luggage, luxury luggage points. So for us, that, that was sort of the difference is that we, we sort of gave everything. And I mean, let's, when we say everything, let's use Australia and America as, as the two markets. We, we, they're, they're exactly the same product offerings, except the, the sales and the, the attention is very much split. The, the, you know, Americans really love those trunks and Australians really love the classics and the lights. They still, everyone still kind of loves everything, but, but, you know, you can very much see the differentiation there. So, so, you know, for us, it was a really interesting insight 
into into American travel and and the, the way obviously the weight limit doesn't matter you know there's a there's a desire for this midpoint between a um, you know a Rimoa and sort of a D2C brand that they weren't getting so we would sort of step in there and go well we'll offer this up and I mean we you know we obviously we can't make them quick enough there really is a, a, a high demand over them did that change your product roadmap? Did you suddenly say we need to make more luxury esque products? We're doubling down. I mean, this 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 is you know these this luxury line is just absolutely beautiful, and we just want to keep making more and more. So we definitely put more sort of color range into into the classics, but we're now shifting that to more of a, more of the luxury stuff. And I mean, it just they're stunning cases. We just need more. We need more. And obviously there's supply chain issues at the moment. Everyone's being restricted with what they can produce. And even if you can produce it, it's it's harder to ship it. It's harder to get it over. It's a lot more expensive to get it over. It's you know, everything's just being a bit constricted. So we're we're just part one part of that global story. And uh, as you know, everybody's trying to do what they can to make customers um, to give customers what they want before Christmas. You said that when you first launched in the U.S., it was still pretty much all being done in Australia. Were you air freighting things over, or were you just sort of stuck with the ships and it took forever? No, we were air freighting, mate. We <laughs> that must have been really expensive. <laughs> I mean, you know, FedEx got us uh, tickets to the cricket. You know, like in, at the end of the year, and we're like, that's not good. <laughs> 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 you know, if they're getting us like box seat tickets to the cricket, we're like that, that can't be. We've got to change that. Uh, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's just one of those things you got to do when the, the, the nature of where we are, where we started and where we want to be, you had to air, you had to air freight it, you had to get it done. And, you know, most people listening to this will understand that pain. They'll feel that as soon as you hear the, say the words air freight, you're just like, Oh my God, I know exactly what's going to happen here. So, you know, and is it embarrassing? I mean, Yes and no, you know, like I don't like to admit that we were doing that, but you know, we, we weren't, we weren't flying. You, you got to understand we're a luggage company that we we're inactive in, from a, re, from a from revenue perspective for almost a year and our country was still in lockdown, you know? And so we were looking over and we're going, what's going on there? How come the Americans are traveling so much? Why are they in Europe this year? And we're not. And you know it was upsetting. <laughs> we were we were we were honestly jealous of what was going on. So, I, we whatever it took, right? Whatever it took culturally, whatever it took from a business and revenue perspective, we wanted to be there. It was always part of the dream. It's a part of almost every Australian business to to launch in the US. Um, we did it the best way that we could, and and I, you know from what I what I see, it's been amazing, absolutely amazing. So did the U.S. business completely spur all growth in 2021? Was that the, the brunt of the sales? Was the U.S. the biggest majority of, of, of the overall revenue pie? Yeah, and so in 2021, we launched, uh, we launched in, in July in the U.S. And okay. uh, Australia got out of lockdown properly well. I mean, most of the states in Australia got out of lockdown properly at around September, October. So yeah. that Christmas was a great Christmas because everyone was sort of traveling again. But, but at least from an Australian perspective, the confidence wasn't there. So you would book, you'd be booking flights to go into another state without really knowing whether you were going to go or not. You would sort of, uh, you, you, would, you would take the stab. So a lot of the growth did end up coming from the US. Uh, we ended up having an, an amazing Christmas. But, you know, obviously as, as 
as time goes on, the population is 13 times Australia. So the growth is always going to be coming from the US now. So, the, the, I mean, the, the, we, just, we just flew back from, I mean, we spent a lot of time there uh, across, uh, across Texas, New York, and, and uh, California. And, um, you know, it's just the, the appetite, the growth, the people, everybody's, you know, excited about the product. Because you, you can make things, you can do things, you can market things, you can launch things, and maybe nobody likes it. You know, it's, there's a real, like, maybe it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how nice the ad is. Maybe, maybe you don't like the product. Maybe you don't like what, what, what the brand represents. So I guess there's a, there's an element of luck there that the product and the brand was well received in the U S that the concept of July was well understood and uh, of what we were trying to do. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the growth has been, it's all U S all the way, even though Australia is now back flying. The rest of the world is back. Well, most of the world is back flying. We um, we foresee ourselves uh, as a, as a stronger US competitor for the for the next foreseeable future. What is the expansion plan from there? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're pretty much only available online only in the US, like from your website. Is that correct? DTC all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No retail stores just yet. I mean, we'd love to open retail stores in the US. We just want to um, we just want to wait a bit more. So, and you have a retail store in Melbourne, right? That's right. Yeah, one in Melbourne and one in Sydney. We're developing one in Sydney as we speak. Talk to me about that. Is that just so you have a flagship presence as a brand in your home country? Would you want to open up your own store in the United States or would you want to do, you know, a, a retail partnership with a with a big luxury retailer in the United States? You know, the, the, the concept of DTC is always you want to control the entire pathway. And, mm-hmm. and making sure that you control distribution, you control the customer relationship, you control everything. And we don't disagree with that theory at all. You know, we're very much, uh, you know, a digital native brand. We love the concept of retail, especially within this category, because you have two kinds of audiences. As a, as a general rule, you have two kinds of audiences in luggage. It's the person who's about to go traveling. They've booked their flights. They've probably got six, eight weeks of planning to do. And then they think that the luggage is a really nice upgrade to that. It's time to do something new. Let's, let's buy. They've got time on their hands, but then you've got the person who's like, Hey, I'm leaving tomorrow. I need all these things and I need it right now because I need to start packing. And e-commerce, unless you're, unless you're within the Amazon prime world, e-commerce has really not caught up to that kind of demand, that kind of customer. And, and the confidence level that it will arrive at that point in time is also not there. So physical retail has a role as a really, really needed role in the customer journey for a traveling customer who's leaves, leaving quickly. So we believe in it for that reason and it works for that reason. It's not a, um, it's not superfluous. It's not something that it's like, oh, well, you know, just for people to see the product doesn't become a showroom. It, it really does create a, it, is, it really does give people an answer to a need. So under that premise, in order to do a, a, a good job of understanding the customer and understanding their needs, you'd like to think that, well, you want to give them the product any way that they can. So I, I wouldn't, it's the longer answer for, well, would we, would we do distribution through larger retailers? I wouldn't say no to it. Because I know that looking mm-hmm. at the customer journey, it does make sense to eventually go down that path. But it has to, obviously, it has to be the right, right brands, right retail locations, 
it really does have to make sense. But we'd, we'd like to probably come to the market with a bit of a mix. Got it. Makes sense. Can you talk a bit about product expansion? You mentioned the different bag lines, but you have different products as well. I saw a backpack on the website, a few different things. How, how do you choose which areas you're going to expand into and how do you make it so that they stay economical, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the, the backpacks, uh, all the soft bags we released uh, when lockdowns first kicked in, uh, if I remember correctly. They, I mean, lockdowns ended up coming around February, March, and we ended up launching the bags with April, May. We already had them in the pipeline, but we definitely sped them up. And I think the story of COVID and, lock, and travel lockdowns generally for our product lineup actually is, is one of uh, innovation, is one of also category searching as well. Maybe a bit of soul searching too, Gail, you know. It's, <laughs> it's sometimes, as a travel company making luggage, you, you kind of go, well, what else can we be about? And, and personalization was a big thing for us. I mean, we, we have an extremely sophisticated personalization engine that is very much software-based. We can personalize in a lot of different languages, and for us, we already had this this thinking, this groundwork already there, you know. And, and so a really interesting product launch that we did was drink bottles. And because drink bottles can be an everyday thing. Oh, wow. The drink bottles, I tell you, Kyle, we sell thousands. Absolutely. Really? It has been an amazing product success. You know, they're beautiful drink bottles for sure, right? But at the end of the day, there's, you know, it is it is a category that is flooded with competition. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But added, yeah, exactly. Added with the the personalization. Actually, I mean, my wife's drink bottle is here in the car now. I can, I can, you can't really, you can kind of half see it, right? With the initials on there. Basically, personalized drink bottles, being able to get super creative with it, uh, being able to do it multilingual, being able to add emojis, being able to turn it around extremely quickly, and being able to order a, a thousand or a hundred all with different names is something that we, we sort of offered uh, other teams, other businesses, individual customers, and it's been a massive product success for us. So Even, we went, even though that's a, a cheaper product than, than luggage, it still, it still yeah. did what it needed to do? It still did what it needed to do, which is, which is, which is great in that sense. You know? So, so we, we sort of got comfortable expanding the categories. I mean, that was a success. You know, we, we had some failures as well. You know, I think we we launched um we launched travel photography. All the photographers that we'd worked with in the past, we'd actually launched a a photography and framing service uh, about their on their favorite locations. So these guys would gave us like five or ten of their best travel photos, and we sort of like got them framed up and printed, and would retail them as well for home decoration and travel inspiration. That one that one didn't work as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but it was one of those, one of those things that we needed to do, get creative during, during that time. And, uh, again, you know, the bottles, the bottles have been an amazing product success story for us. Did you do it more, uh, as like a corporate thing for like companies to do the bottles for it? Or was that individual said, I want this bottle, like an algae essentially. That's right. Yeah. I mean, individual. Yeah. I mean, the corporates have been buying them as well, but, uh, the individual bottles have been just amazing. You know, just a fun little thing. It's a bottle. You know, it's at a reasonable price point. And the fact that you can put your name on it relatively easily with the creativity, like not just laser engraved. Like it's a it's a proper proper print job where, you know, there's color, there's beautiful fonts, there's emojis. It's, you know, it's just a very successful product. We're just about running out of time, but I have one just like sort of final 
button of a question, just because you mentioned U.S. is your big growth engine. You have all big plans there. So what are they? What what are, what are your big goals for this year and, and the next year to come? Is it just growing the business there, more product expansion? What what are, what are you setting your sights on? Global domination, Cal. That's there's only right. one goal. Right. There that's is easy. only one goal. You know, it's. I mean, eventually, <laughs> eventually, we will go over to the UK. That that's definitely. Uh, it's definitely something that that uh, we we want to get done. But for us, I mean, it's all about the US. We we see the demand. We we have made an impact, uh, and we can't wait to just start making and delivering more products that uh, get people excited. Ethan, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Cal. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week. Thank you.